the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today as I am each and every day from 3 to 5. And always good to be with you. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557-888-528-2557. There is a building on the campus of uh, Ohio State University, and I want to tell you about this building because I think it it demonstrates something about our culture that we should all understand. It's called the Wexner Center for the Performing Arts, and the architect for this building on this campus calls it the world's first postmodern building. It's called a deconstructionalist building. Uh, I'm not even sure if deconstructionalist is a real word, except it's the word that's used to describe this. And I say that because my spell checker keeps underlining it and then changing it to something else. But deconstructionalist, that's what it's called. And the thing is, is that part of the building, from an architectural standpoint, it doesn't make sense because it's very inconsistent. So what they did was they built this building that part of it looks like an old castle, something you would see in Ireland or England or Germany or someplace like that. But then another part of the same building has a modern design with very straight lines, lots of glass. Okay, another part looks like Frank Lloyd Wright with brick and the, and the wood and all of that. And there's glass and brick sections and the outside of the building just looks completely random. And it's built this way deliberately. It doesn't look like the rest of the school. It is just this weird-looking building. But inside, it gets even more weird. Inside, it has pillars that are not holding anything up. So you walk in, and there's a pillar. Well, you, you might see a pillar in a building, right? But if you look carefully, you notice that the pill, pillar doesn't go all the way up. It doesn't quite make it to the ceiling. So it's just this pole kind of in the middle of the room. It doesn't make a lot of sense you know, and then it also has stairways that go nowhere. So you can walk up these little flanks of stairs, walk up or walk down, but they go no, nowhere. They just go into a wall. They take, they take you nowhere. You walk up and then you have to walk back down. The notion of all of this, so the whole building is meant to be artistic and it's meant to portray modern thinking. And then this modern thinking, it's to portray the idea artistically that life doesn't really have any design to it, that it's all random. And that's what this building is made for. The architect said that he designed the building with no design in mind. And when asked why, he said this. He said, if life itself is capricious, why should our buildings have any design and any meaning? That's an interesting thing. So he has this building that he built on this university campus where they're supposed to be teaching about the realities of the world and prepare people for dealing with reality. And essentially, you have this artistic building that has, it has a purpose. It's the Center for, for Arts, okay? But the, the building is full of things that have no purpose. Stairways that go nowhere, lots of other randomness and different things. And there's a debate about whether or not this kind of building, does it actually mock our current era? Or does it lift up the thinking as somehow wise? And that's an interesting debate about this building. From an artistic standpoint, you can take a look at it and go, 
Is this making fun of our era where we say there is no truth and is no meaning, and then you look at it and it doesn't make any sense? Or is it actually lifting up this thinking and saying somehow this is wise, somehow this modern way of thinking is wise? Well, there was a Christian pastor who was given a tour of the campus with the tour guide, and the tour guide gave him all this information, and he said to his university host, he said, so this building is senseless, and somebody paid a lot of money for this. And the our, the tour guide said, yes, and the the argument that was made by the designer is that if life has no purpose and design, why should the building have any purpose and design? And the pastor said, okay, so if that's correct, let me ask you this. Did the architect do the same thing with the foundation of the building? Well, and of course the answer is no. If you did the same thing with the foundation of the building, the building would collapse. It would not pass code. It would be dangerous. It would kill people. It might not stand at all. See, you can do all kinds of things on top of the surface, but if the foundation is messed up, if the foundation is not built upon reality, if the foundation is not built upon math and the science of things and the the simple reality of how to actually build a safe building, then the building will fall. That's just a fact. That is, if the foundation is not designed according to mathematical design, the building will fall down. You can't mess around with the foundation or else the building will collapse. You can make the building different on the, you know, the top side of it, but the foundation has to follow unchangeable principles because those principles are based on what is true. Now, I'm telling you this story because there's a lot of news, and you'll see a lot of news in the Christian world today. We'll talk about it uh, a couple of times together. The so-called Respect for Marriage Act just passed the Senate, and you're probably hearing why this might be a problem. And what the Senate is saying is that this is meant to codify the Obergfell Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage, and that's kind of the way they're presenting it, right? But there are lots of people saying, well, wait a minute. You're doing this in such a way, and there's a big question about whether or not it will protect religious freedom and whether or not it actually even protects the rights of anybody who might be married, whether they're gay or straight or whatever the relationship is. There's a lot of questions being floated about this and a lot of questions being floated in the area of religious liberty, which is a important part for believers or even people of, uh, you know, Christians, but even people of other religions, if they uh, don't believe in marriage outside of a man and a woman, that is there going to be legal challenges now because this has become law? Meaning, is your church going to be vulnerable to a lawsuit in the same way that the bakers in Colorado, those, uh, you know, who want to bake the cake for the gay marriage, uh, are who are being attacked for that, in the same way that another group is being attacked for whether or not they should be able to make a website for gay marriage if it goes against their belief, are churches who refuse to perform gay marriages um, going to be sued then and attacked in the same way. When I say attacked, it's because of this. It's because there are plenty of bakers. And the reason the the court ultimately found for the bakers in uh, Colorado, the cake bakers, is because the court said there are plenty of places you could have gone to have your cake baked. And so we think that what you're actually doing is attacking these people because of their faith. You're not actually uh, just trying to get your your cake made. There's plenty of other places you could have gone. That's what people do if they don't like your business and they write a bad Yelp review or something and they move on to some other place. And this, the court will probably find in favor of the people who want to do the website, the Christians who are saying, I don't want to do a website that is made to host all of the features that go with a same-sex marriage. And the court will probably find the same thing. There are plenty of other companies who will gladly do that for you. And so the only reason that you are 
are suing this company is because you are attacking their religious belief and you're trying to create a an issue and create a problem because of their belief. That's ultimately where the courts, although it's it's pretty shaky, where the courts have gone at this point. What a lot of people are worried about is that maybe this Respect for Marriage Act, what that's going to do is bring this type of lawsuit against your church, against churches anywhere who say that we're only going to do weddings between a man and a woman, a biological man and a biological woman at birth. You have to be real specific now. And that it probably opens them up to lawsuit, that even if later on the, the case is very likely to go the direction of the church, the time that is spent, the money that gets spent, it can destroy that church in the meantime. It can create so much havoc, so much stress, so much difficulty. See, the the punishment and the attack is actually in the legal process, not the ultimate verdict. And a lot of places will just simply close down and take a look at it. At our church, whenever that decision was made in 2015, we just put a stop on all weddings for a short period of time because we just wanted to say, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? Is this an issue? And in 2015, probably not, but we realized that in in your church or your even your company, you better have some kind of a statement out in front about it. Hey, this is what our religious belief is, and this is what we're going to follow, and it's got to be really, really clear. What I'm getting at here, and the reason that there's a lot of question is there's, you know, what's happening in Washington right now is political grandstanding, okay? That's what this is, really. But there, it's it's very sloppy, which is opening up the door for some other, other problems. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to call and join the conversation. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. This is Southern California Live. You can give me a call right now at 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. The reason, ultimately, that this decision and the things that are going on are causing more and more problems is because it's attacking the foundations of what marriage actually is. It is what has changed when you change the definition of what marriage is. When marriage becomes simply a, um, it, it becomes simply a contract between two people based on love or whatever you want to say, and that's the purpose of it. You can do that if you called it a civil union and you just kept it as a legal contract about ownership of property and those kinds of things. Probably states could have done that. States were already headed in the direction of civil unions in order to do that. But when you call it marriage, and in an era where not only are you changing the definition of marriage, but you're changing the definition of man and woman, what is a woman? That's been a big question that some people have refused to answer. And it becomes a very very odd thing. And the reason that there are so many things falling apart, it's not just because of the marriage decision, but because of similar decision-making processes over the last couple of years, over the last about uh, 10 years or so. It's because we're not just changing what is above the surface. We're actually changing what is beneath the surface. We're changing the foundation. And we're building a foundation by changing marriage, for example, you're changing the foundation for family. Okay, you're changing the foundation for child rearing. You're changing the foundation for why it's important for children to have a a female mother and a male father. Why we know, we know statistically speaking that it is much better for a family to, for children to grow up in that environment. And marriage used to mean 
not just um, between a male and a female, but also society felt that marriage was something that was meant for building the nation, for child rearing, for education, for emotional support, for all of these different things. And the reason you wanted male and female is because they come at things in a different way, which they do. Moms and dads, we're, we're different. We're not always the same, but we're very, very different in the way we approach things, right? It's just the way it is. And that's a value that we should have in our culture, but we're attacking those differences. And we're even going to a place now where we're trying to argue that there is no difference. So for example, in the area of uh, trans women who are actually biological men who are moving into women's sports and dominating where they couldn't beat any of the men, but they go into women's sports and then they dominate. And then we try to say this is the same or that men can get pregnant and we try to change the language from pregnant women to pregnant people. And what we're doing is eliminating women, which is such an odd thing if you think about it. And the chaos that is ensuing, the chaos that is at the universities, the chaos that is in the women's sports, the chaos that we're seeing in the families, the chaos that we're seeing in so many other areas where we are taking a look at human beings and even in the way we deal with homelessness, the way we are dealing with crime, the way we are dealing with so many other things, we're attacking the foundations of society, see, when you will not prosecute crime that is actual crime or they're actual victims, victims of theft or sometimes victims of violent crime. And we see this in San Francisco a lot where there, you know, a couple of guys will come in and just tear up a CVS and leave with, uh, without the mile long receipt. Um, and that that's okay. And they don't get prosecuted or in Los Angeles or San Diego or other places where there are there's violence on the street or very illegal drug use, fentanyl and all this stuff on the street, and people can't even get arrested for that anymore. There is nothing that you can really do, so you just uh, send them back out to the street. The problem is, is that that's being done in the name of justice, but it's not justice, not punishing crime, not giving justice to the shop owner who is robbed. This is not justice. And by changing what justice is, you are undermining the foundation of the society. You see what I'm saying? It's one thing to just sort of change things on the surface, okay? It's one thing to maybe say, okay, we're not going to prosecute for this, but we're still going to have a justice system, right, where we still uh, are, you know, are going to to make sure that violent crimes and crimes, uh, property crimes, these things are prosecuted. The reason you do that is so that they don't happen, so that they stop, that there is a preventative mean. Every culture in the world has done it this way before, and some have done it better than others, and we've had our ups and downs in our own country. But at some point where the victim is not getting justice because somebody else says it's more justice to let the other person get away with the crime because the jails are too full or because of whatever the reason, it's not justice. It's undermining the whole system. Our country altogether has changed its view on many cultural issues. There's a lot of conversation maybe about the cultural war today. I'm not sure that there is a war anymore. I think maybe the war is over. I think maybe the more conservative points of view have lost the war. Uh, Should we legalize marijuana? Going back to uh, 1980, uh, a little over 25%. Today, it's over 65%. Should we make pornography illegal? It used to be about 40%. Now that number is down to 20. Uh, abortion for any reason whatsoever used to be about 1980. And this was shortly after R.V. Wade, about 40%. Now that number is uh, over 50%, approaching 60%. Here's one that uh, in a survey 
that I'm looking at here. Uh, extramarital sex is always wrong. Extramarital, that means adultery. Okay, it means you're married, but you can go ahead and, uh, and have relations with anybody. What do you think the percentages of Americans who think that extramarital sex is always wrong? Just a few years ago, around 2008, that number was well over 80%. You might be saying, I can't believe it's only 80%. Where is that number today? Just 10 years, what, 12 years later, 14 years later. It's just a little over 60%. So almost 40% of Americans now think that it is okay to have an extramarital affair. These things are foundational to any society, whether it is marriage or drug use or other things like that. We are changing the foundation of our society and building it upon something that will not stick because it's not reality. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. Let's go to the phones. Angie in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, Scott. How are you today? I'm good, Angie. How are you? I am well, thank you. What do you think about this topic? Um, Well, I was going to comment on the men who have changed to women and get into women's sports. I don't see why they just don't have a league of their own, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) Well, you know? that would, uh, there's a, you know, a thought about that, but that would defeat the purpose because it would just be sort of a secondary men's team then like oh, a junior well, varsity, but, like it would defeat the purpose yeah. of if I'm going to say that I am just as much a woman as any other woman, then you have to let me join the women's team. Otherwise you're discriminating against me as a woman and you can't have some other yeah. weird league for me to be in because then you're discriminating against who I say I am. That's their argument. I guess so, but you have that testosterone that women don't have. Come on. Well, that's what I'm talking about as far as the foundation. It doesn't work, does it? It doesn't make any sense at all. No. But this is something that that people are adopting. And the the difference over the past, you know, about 15 years, uh, how this has changed, Mm -hmm. and maybe if you go back a little farther, the last generation, you know, the culture has always gone through different changes, right, And, and things come and they go and there's different but when you're dealing with foundational things like this the things that Mm -hmm. should not be changed you know you can you can build a bad building above the surface for example one that will not withstand an earthquake and bad morals or 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 you know bad policies those can be a part of that building above the surface but the foundation if the foundation is good after the earthquake after the building falls down you can just rebuild the building and you know everything will be fine but if the foundation is bad everything will collapse and be gone that's the concern absolutely yeah thank you angie for your call appreciate that very much 888-528-2557 the southern california live this is something that is i think very profound when you look at the uh the marriage issue 26 years ago, Republicans and Democrats were completely uh, opposed to same-sex marriage. And Republicans and Democrats passed what was called the Defense of Marriage Act, otherwise known as DOMA. And this declared that marriage between one man and one woman um, was what marriage was necessary to be in order to build a, a country in the right way. You know who signed that bill? President Bill Clinton signed that bill. People who are in support of it are people who are named Hillary Clinton or Chuck Schumer or people, all the names who are still around today, but suddenly changed their their mind. Um, 
it's a remarkable thing. Many, many other people whose names you'd recognized. 342 people voted for that bill in the House. Current Speaker Nancy Pelosi was one of the people uh, who voted uh, against it. There wasn't very many. Only 67 people of the House uh, voted against that 26 years ago. 18 years ago, this was a winning issue for uh, Republicans. And it helped Republicans win elections. You put stuff like this on the ballot. Cultural war issues you put on the ballot. Not necessarily, the cynical view is not necessarily because you really believe in it, but it drives people to the polls, right? So you might put something controversial on the ballot, and it might not even be written very well, and you know a court's going to overturn it one day. But if it drives emotion, you get people to the polls. We saw that this year with the uh, abortion amendments that were in, across the country. All of them won, when whichever yes or no was in favor of abortion. It also helped, uh, in these cases, Democrats win in those states. That used to be on the Republican side of things. In fact, there used to be uh, a move to have a constitutional amendment to keep marriage between uh, men and women. That was happening in the Bush administration. John Kerry, who George Bush ran against and defeated in 2004, he opposed same-sex marriage. In 2008, Barack Obama opposed same-sex marriage. So did Hillary Clinton. And then later, in 2012, because it seemed politically expedient, Barack Obama changed his mind. His campaign manager, David Axelrod, wrote in a memoir, he grudgingly accepted the counsel of more pragmatic folks like me and modified his position to support civil unions rather than marriage, which he would term a sacred union. See, in civil unions, it's different. It's a contract. You could have done that. You could have done civil unions and made marriage in, in a legal sense civil union, but kept marriage the same because of what it does for children and families. What I'm getting at here, and this matters, and something I think that you should think about even for your church, even for your life, what are the foundations for the church that we are are losing? Are we sacrificing foundations of the church and who we are for political expediency, for culture war, for getting people to come to church? What kinds of things may be in the foundation of the church we're building are upside down. We'll talk about that a little bit when we come back later today. We'll give away some free tickets to the Johnny Cash movie. Also, I want to ask you this question at some point today. Um, what Christmas song should be banned? Just have a little fun with that. But is there a Christmas song you think should just be over with? We'll talk about that in a little bit. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Oh, oh, oh. it's been a while. You know what you should do? Come to our church. Dude, you can tithe with crypto. We have keto communion. We have our own app. Our pastor just dropped a merch collab with Adidas. Tony Romo is speaking at our men's retreat. Sadie Robertson spoke last week. Our pastor prophesied the Super Bowl last year. Our worship leader drinks. Blippi's the children's church pastor. Our pastor writes his own book. You know Taylor Swift? Mm-hmm. Her nephew Trevor? He goes here. We got a rock climbing Bible study. We got a motorcycle small group. Spin class small group. Charcuterie board small group. Our worship leader was 
on American Idol. He ain't win, though. Tell him to come to our church. Come to our church. Our pastor gave away a Toyota Solera to a single mother. On stage. Go. Joanna Gaines decorated our lobby. The whole thing. We spent half a million dollars on moving lights. Our head of security used to play for the Cowboys. <laughs> Young Sheldon goes to our Sunday school. We've only been audited by the IRS. Twice. Twice. We're all inclusive. Unless you disagree with us on something. You can join in the metaverse. Sometimes our pastor wears a hoodie. And a sports coat. <laughs> our youth services are so intense, they call it Astro World. <laughs> we do a sermon series called At the Movies. Our church bought a used F-18 for a sermon called Top God. God. Come to our church. You need to be there. Slide to our church, bro. What time? 9 and 11. Never forget. Mm, come, come to our church. Come to our church. I just joined First Baptist. What? Forget it. Don't come to our church. That was my number. That was comedian John John Christ and another comedian named Shama Mayerma, uh, Marima, I think it's his name. It's hilarious. And uh, what they're doing is a kind of a promotion, like come to your church. It's all meant to be a joke. And uh, I laughed out loud at some of it. The Astro World thing's hilarious and other stuff. And it's not that there aren't a lot of cool things that churches can do, but in the course of this... Have we lost the point in the course of maybe what we're doing even at Christmas time to invite people to come to our church? Have we lost the Christmas story even within the Christmas story? You're listening to Southern California Live. You can join our conversation and comment. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking about the uh, Marriage Act that's gone through the the Senate and uh, talking about the foundations of our country and our culture and being changed. And I want to ask the question, what are the foundations of the church and are we are we losing those things? Are we changing the foundation of the church? Or maybe a better answer is how do we strengthen the foundation of the church and what we're about. There's so many different things that we have in in freedom. You know, and hearing those comedians talk about church stuff, you know, it's funny and an amazing thing really is that we even have the freedom and the flexibility in the United States to do all kinds of things, to reach people in different ways. And in so much of the world, yesterday we talked about what's happening in China and what's happening in Iran. These are countries where you can't do anything those guys were joking about. You can't really talk about the church very much in most cases. And yet Christianity is growing in those churches, in those countries. In fact, what you find is that Christianity, as far as its growth goes, is basically staying stagnant or, you know, or even in decline in Western countries. But when you take a look at countries where it's not legal— It is often growing. And I think the reason for that is because the foundation is more clear. It is more clearly laid out. And maybe in some cases we're we're building stuff. We have a foundation of of Christ, I think, in some cases, though in some cases I think we don't. The joke in that media, it's called uh, a church that has forgotten about Christ. And so it's about all kinds of other cool things about going to church, um, but forgetting about Christ. Um, when you don't have the flexibility to sing, when you don't have the flexibility to um, share your faith openly, when you can't build buildings, when you have to meet underground, when you have to keep it quiet, all you have is your foundation. There is no, you know, sort of uh, stuff that comes above the surface. What are some things that the church can do in America, maybe your church or churches that uh, we know in our town here, what can we do to make sure that our foundation is is staying strong and make sure that the message that gets built on that foundation is very, very clear. 
800-529-2557. Catherine in Azusa, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, and how are you doing today? I'm fine, Catherine. How are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, concerning foundation. Yeah. When we go to Matthew 7, okay, 24 through 25, talks about the foundation being built on rock. Yeah. Then you go to 26 through 27, and it talks about the foundation being being built on sand. So if the foundation is built on Jesus Christ and God the Father, then it will be, it will sustain any of the trials, uh, troubles um, that will uh, come, and they will come. Yes. Everybody has trials. Now, if you built it on the sand, it's going to fall. It always will. Yes. The foundation, the foundation built on the rock will stand all trials. The foundation built on sand will wither away. You're right, Catherine. And I think that is something that we always have to consider with our, our church and with our faith, right? Is that the trials, the interesting exactly. thing about the story, and you pointed it out, and thank you for calling, Catherine. Appreciate your call. Uh, is that the storms are coming. It's not like if you built your foundation on the rock, the storms aren't going to come. I think that's a mistake that churches teach sometimes, inadvertently. Maybe some churches teach that on purpose. There's definitely some uh, some false teachers out there who teach stuff like that, right? It's like, oh, if you uh, trust in Jesus, then everything in your life is going to go perfectly. There's no such promise in the Scriptures. And in fact, Jesus, when he tells the story, he talks about when the storms come. He talks about what is going to happen. The rain's going to come down. The streams are going to rise. The winds are going to blow. And it says, and beat against your house. And yet Jesus tells us that the house built on the rock is not going to fall. But the house built on the sand, when those same storms come, they do fall. And I think this is something for us to keep in mind when we're talking about religious freedom and maybe the idea that through uh, the Respect for Marriage Act or whatever might be the outcome of some of the decisions we're making in the country that people are legitimately worried about religious freedom being eroded away. The church itself, your church, your congregation, and the bigger church, you know, its success in in ministry and in maintaining itself is going to depend on the foundation. How do we make sure that foundation is is right? 888-528-2557. David and Whittier, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there, how you doing? I'm good, David. I just want to make I want to make a statement. Uh, I'm, I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor, and I just want to know, or actually say, we got to get back to inerrancy and absolute authority of the Bible. Quit tolerating sin. Quit tolerating uh, false teaching inside the church, and it's rampant. You know, you talk, you're a pastor, and uh, thanks for calling, pastor. What would you say inside the church are some of the things that we need to say? Hey, wait a second. Well, we, we de- a lot of people depending too much on politics for one thing instead of the Word of God. Yeah. Like, well, Trump is not the Messiah, <laughs> in spite of what a lot of people are thinking. Well, he, he's, he's not? He's not going to save it. He's not. <laughs> you know, it's interesting uh, in the whole—we were talking about the uh, Respect for Marriage Act and sort of the, the changing of Americans' decisions on gay marriage, for example, on that issue— um, and how it's changed so dramatically over the last few years. In 2000, before 2012, 
100% of presidential candidates on the left and the right were against gay marriage. But in 2016, 100% of them were for it, including Donald Trump. That's for votes. That's all that's for. Yeah. Uh, So politics, what's another sin that you would say happens like inside of the church that is something that gets tolerated? Uh, Divorce. For one thing, easy divorce. Marriage in the church. Actually, it's pretty high even compared to uh, normal population. I think 51%, last time I remember. Yeah, something like that. You know, I think that, that take a look at what's inside the church and really focus on the foundation of who we are and worry a little less about people and what the culture believes. Like the culture, it matters. It matters for our country. I don't mean to say that. But we're not going to have an impact if we're not building our own foundation on the rock. We're just going to be washed away with everybody else. Correct. we got to get back to the fundamentals of the faith yeah. and stand on them regardless of what the world says about it. Yeah. All right, David, uh, Pastor David, thank you very much for calling and listening to Southern California Live. What do you think? The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Foundational to the church. Here's something, too, for you if you want to think about it. It's it's something that we can say and read, build our house on the rock, and we want to have the foundation on Christ. What does that mean, though, practically speaking? So David's talking about something. I think, and as a pastor for 25 years— uh, I think is definitely true. There's there's sin inside the church. Sometimes small things that we don't pay as much attention to. And he mentioned, you know, divorce being one of those things. And and sometimes, you know, there's a reason that with adultery, we uh, Jesus allows that. It's still not something that should happen because a divorce is something that's meant to. You know, the marriage is supposed to be something that represents Christ in the church, but understandably, in the sinful culture, it gets destroyed sometimes. But what are some other things? I'll tell you what, as a, as a pastor for all these years, I was meeting with a pastor group, like a whole bunch of pastors. We used to meet monthly, and we, it was a great mentor group, and we used to just come in and make fun of each other. And one particular pastor was an inner-city pastor, and a lot of the stuff he was talking about was so different than most of the other churches. The, the sins that he's dealing with within his congregation, even within his own staff, right, and people who are leaders in the church. And I have to tell you, he's talking about drugs and sex and violent crime and kind of some crazy stuff. And I have to tell you this, that a lot of us who were pastors were envious of those problems because what we're dealing with was gossip and slander and backbiting and those kinds of murmuring and things like that that go on inside churches that destroy the church and that are so much harder to root out because everybody doing that thinks they're not doing that, right? Or they think that they're right, or they think that, you know, God has given them permission to gossip. And uh, it's so hard, and yet this is something that matters. But I think that there's also the the problem of focusing so much on on sin management that we still miss something big about the foundation. I'll tell you what I think that is when we come back, and I'll take your phone calls on what you think that is and what you think we should do to maintain or strengthen the foundation of the church. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, and we are talking about the foundations of the church and what can make it better. Let's go to Dave in Fullerton. Welcome to Southern California Live. 
Hey, Scott, how are you today? I'm good, Dave. What do good, you think? Good. Hey, just wanted, yeah, just uh, listen to a couple of callers and, and just uh, some thoughts. Um, you know, I think the church, uh, today's church, um, one, um, we're lacking wisdom, um, and I believe that is the inability or the lack of uh, individuals getting into the Word. Uh, I think a lot of people, um, my wife calls them yeah, but Christians. They've always got a, a, a yeah, but this or yeah, but that. And so they're not willing to do the hard work and and, uh, and uh, get into their Bible. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, it, uh, a lot of Christians apathetic. Um, I think uh, one of the things that also is has hurt our church and hurt um, the Christian community is the um, the lack of and, and what Dave said earlier, um, I think it's the lack of uh, understanding of politics and what our duty is as Christians um, to um, to stand up for certain things. Uh, I, attra- I attend uh, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, and, and one of the best things about uh, Pastor Hibbs is, you know, again, uh, the wisdom and lack of wisdom in our in, in churches. Not so much there, because he's telling it like it is. He's telling you what you need to do and how you need to stand and what you need to stand up for and be strong as a believer. And uh, although Donald Trump is not the Messiah, he was sent by my Messiah to, uh, I think, uh, turn the tide uh, for a short time and and get some uh, judges in there that are making a difference. And uh, and, uh, so, you know, I believe that uh, uh, we will see how the future goes, but... uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that in, um, if the Christians get, uh, get involved and, uh, and, and vote and do things that uh, God has planned for us, that we, can, uh, that we can turn this around. And there is going to be a revival in this country that is going to help turn this around. Do you think, Dave, that, that winning elections ultimately, though, is going to bring that about? Like, is that necessary? I'm not, I'm not speaking against what you were saying, but no. is that the, you know, foundationally no. for the church? Are we here to, to win over the cultural opinion about issues? Um, win over the, yes, we are. That is our job as believers to fight the good fight. I mean, that's biblical fight. And I, and I'm a, and I strongly believe in that we should be we should be walking our precincts. We should be getting um, uh, candidates that that are believers that have um, that have uh, uh, biblical uh, understanding biblically and where this country came from and what we're about. And and I believe that yes, our churches should be fighting the good fight. And part of that is politically and winning elections. Um, I, I, no, when you say. But I mean, is is foundationally, uh, let's say we're never going to win elections. I mean, I just read statistics that says we are we are losing in every single category over the last 10 years as far as cultural issues go. Like we've lost public opinion overwhelmingly. Well, and and I think part of that is the the church's lack of ability to get the word out. I I can tell you where I go to church. um, What is what is the word? That they should be getting out. Yeah, the word about abortion, the word about uh, same-sex marriage. That that I, I think if you ask, you know, a lot of Christians, where do they think about these issues? They don't. They don't understand it. They haven't done the the the. You know, they haven't done the yeah. homework and and, and I think and one of the and, Dave. Let me let me say that I think that one of the reasons I think you're right. We often don't understand, and even what we see in these issues is Christians don't vote just like everybody else. It's about the same percentage. Right. They're not voting. Um, 
But do you feel like there's a reason that's foundational for why we don't understand? Like earlier, two callers have said we don't understand our Bibles. I'm wondering yeah. if we even know how yeah. to understand our Bibles. You know what I'm saying? Like foundationally, well, well, have are we missing something deeper? Well, I, and I think that, yeah, and I think we are missing something deeper. And and again, and I can't tell you exactly why it is, but the lack of wisdom in this country, and I, you know, I'm sure around the world, is just, I mean, I, I talk to people all the time, Scott, about about these issues. And, and, and half the time they say, well, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. And, and to me, those are important things. If you're, to me, Scott, and, and, and if you're voting for a candidate that is that is 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 pro-choice, you I believe that you have blood on your hands. I believe that 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 as a voter, I have to be educated on who, you know, who I'm voting for, why I'm voting for them, and um, that is my number one issue. If 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 a candidate is pro-life, it, it, it versus somebody who's pro-choice, I don't care what the other issues are really. I cannot vote for somebody who is pro-choice. All right, Dave, I want to get to some other calls, but I do appreciate your call. And, uh, you know, what I'm getting at, too, with a lot of this stuff is foundationally, though, like maybe there's a reason, you know, the, the frustration about cultural issues. I've got frustrations about these things, about people's opinion. Like another one is uh, homelessness. You know, we see all the evidence, all of the evidence says that what we're doing in our state for homelessness uh, doesn't work, and yet we are doubling down on it, including in our in our elections. Foundationally, for the church, is there a reason? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Anna in Torrance, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, yes, hi. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so I I just heard the last caller. Thank you for um, having me. Thank you for. Um, accepting my call. Yeah. I do listen to this program regularly, but I don't want to go on. Um, <laughs> so I did listen to the last caller, Dave, and I agree with him 100%. I think that we were at two different um, extremes. First, we were very conservative, and, you know, if you didn't dress a certain way, you couldn't come into church, or you were talked about, or whatever. And I'm not saying every church. Um, but I think we've gone now to the far other extreme where now it's it's just a lot and um i think we at some point have to get back to the holiness of who god is the holiness mm. of um where he is and what oh, come on. hello i'm still here go ahead oh sorry my other phone okay and so because of that i think that we've just lost like we're kind of in the middle i feel like the church is kind of wavering you know and yeah um well, and what I'm trying to say is I think there's something foundational that we're, we're ignoring to and what, I agree. what I the think church the foundational, is. The foundation is like the Word of God. Are we teaching people what the Word says? Like Dave said, are we teaching people what the Word says about all these things that are being compromised? You know, are people spending time? And I don't know. I think COVID also played a part in that. There's a lot know, being stirred up. Yeah. Anna, thank you for calling. And uh, I'm running out of time, and I want to make a point here before we go. So thank you, Anna, for your call. I appreciate that. And thanks for listening to Southern California Live. You know, I think the foundational question is harder because it's under the surface. And, you know, when we're talking about our, our churches, you know, some churches are sometimes in church we're in trouble because the administration of the church becomes the church. 
and you know the business meetings and the the policies of the church and the thing is is that foundationally the administration of the church is not the mission of the church can i say that again some some of us need to hear that the administration of the church is not the mission of the church and the survival of our our nonprofit corporation church is also not the mission of the church. There's a lot of concern that churches could lose their tax exempt status. That could happen in the future because of a lot of the stuff that's going on. And if that does, most of our little churches are going to shut down as far as how we operate today. And biblically, are we just done? No, because that's not the foundations of the church. Can I share something with you with all the things we get passionate about? Listen, listen, this is so important. The eternal destination of people is what the church is about. It is foundational to why we gather. That's the reason, the eternal destination of people. See, and we sometimes think that we gather so that people will have the right views on how to live life better. And the church has an awful lot to offer with that. Your life's going to be, if you follow what the Bible says uh, about how to live your life, your life will be better. And even when trials come, you're going to live through them better. And that's all great. But the purpose of our church, okay, the purpose foundation is Christ. And the fact that he died for the sins of the world, even the worst sinners that you know. And I think that's one of the things that even in all of these things we've got to think about is that the foundation and purpose of the church is the eternal destination of people. See, and when we're about that, when we're really about that, we care a little more deeply about the whys. I think that people make, callers make great points about people not knowing their Bible or people not knowing some of the cultural issues that are here, understanding them. One of the reasons on this show that we talk about those things so often is we want you to understand them. We want you to understand that that the same-sex marriage issue isn't about you know, whether or not two individuals ought to be able to have a contract together and share their stuff and call it marriage. It's actually foundational to what marriage is for the building of a country and ultimately God's design for human beings that that isn't just God's design for a good life. It's God's design to show us the relationship of Christ in the church, that when we marry Christ, he gets all of our sin, our bad stuff. We give that to him. Like when you get married, you give your spouse all your stuff. And what we inherit from Christ is his righteousness, and the perfection that is Christ, the church gets. That's our message. That's hope. See, our purpose as believers is to walk in love, to be known for love, to be known for taking care of all of these people. And foundationally, I think where we're, we're missing it is we're not known as much for that as we are for maybe political views or sin views or even internal arguing that happens in the church. Much more that we can say about this, but we're out of time for this hour. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Johnny Cash tickets next hour and some other fun stuff. You're listening to Southern California Live. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn. 
With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.